Welcome back to the YouTube and podcast homes for BamaOnline.com. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BOL, back with you. And it is time for another edition of True or False, this time with our good pal, Charlie Potter. We haven't caught up with the senior writer for BOL in some time. So I guess fitting to say for this old head anyway. Welcome back, Potter. <laughs> it's good to be back. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a busy start to the season, but... Uh... You know, coming off the road from Tampa, um, got some some time to not to kill really, but fresh off that uh, SEC teleconference, it's, it's good to catch up with you, man. Yeah, we saw some of those updates from Nick Saban during Wednesday's teleconference. Obviously, the quarterback situation, big big news. I don't know if we anticipated that being the case going into the fourth game of the season, but here we are with Jalen Milrow. I thought it was pretty funny to hear Nick say. Uh, about the cake, right? The cake went in the oven, it came out of the oven, went back in the oven. I kind of worried about the consistency of this cake where the quarterback situation is concerned right now, Charlie. Yeah, I mean, based off that, it's either real soupy in the middle or it might be a little burnt. <laughs> um, I think I saw a good bread tweet about the toothpick trick, and that was pretty funny. But um, no, I mean, I think based off what we saw in Tampa, this seemed like an inevitability. But um, I was kind of surprised to hear him come out and say that just Monday morning to kind of start things off. Um, you know, obviously, I didn't think Tyler Buckner would get another opportunity. But I, I thought with the way Ty Simpson ended the game, and because he, he faced a lot of pressure, he might get another crack at it. But it's, it's pretty clear that um, you know, this team's behind Jalen Milrow. They think he, that he gives them the best opportunity, and we'll see how things roll on Saturday. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. The sense you get from these guys throughout the week, uh, it does sound like they like Jalen Milrow a lot. And not that they don't like the other guys, but he's obviously a guy that's in his third year in the program. He's waited his turn. Um, and I think also when you get down to it, explosive play potential. I wrote about this following Nick's news conference on Monday uh, it's hard to dispute those numbers either. He did have the critical mistakes against Texas, but then you look at nine completions of 15 yards or more in that game. Then you look at what Buckner and Simpson were able to produce against USF, an inferior competition and understanding. Um, the quarterback situation isn't the only thing that ails this offense right now. So uh, those numbers sort of jumped out at me, I guess. Yeah, I think with Jalen, um, the team does like him. I, I agree with you, though. I think a lot of people are making a lot of about that that the players don't like the other guys or that is some kind of mutiny. But, you know, he's a guy that we wrote about it um, when we made the merger over to, to on three, the, the trip he took down to Tampa with the wide receivers over the summer. Um, you know, he's really, um, from that standpoint, tried to build chemistry with these guys and be a leader. And, you know, it sounds like Nick Saban wasn't happy with the way he, was, he responded immediately. But since then, you know, he's been positive. And I do think that he gives this offense, with its issues up from the offensive line, um, a little bit better chance. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what Tommy Reese does from a play caller standpoint, because I don't think he's helped him out the best. I don't think he's used his strengths the best. So I, I think – it's kind of a, a culmination of, of everybody on that offense coming together. I think everybody needs to improve. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, you know, if you're going to try to make any of those three guys just drop back pocket guys, you're probably not going to be enamored with the, the full picture of what they're going to present. If you mix in more of what 
plays to their strengths, maybe more design runs, uh, maybe keeping the quarterback constantly attached to run plays. Uh, you might like them a little bit better. And speaking of quarterbacks, we're going to get true or false this time around cranked up, Charlie, with this one for you. By the end of the season, Dylan Lonergan will be among the top three quarterbacks of these five scholarship quarterbacks currently on the roster. That's tough. Um, I know he's a fan favorite on the message board, so my answer might um, rub some people the wrong way. I'll go with faults at the moment just because I think the top two is clear. It's Jalen and it's Ty Simpson. But beyond that, um, you know, I think Tyler Butner's still going to compete. Uh, he knows, um, you know, what Tommy Reese likes to do. And I, I think he can he can hold on to that third spot. Now, if things, can, you know, continue to go sideways with these quarterbacks, maybe you give the young guy an opportunity. But I think if, if Jalen's able to steady the ship and Ty Simpson continues to make progress, the top two's clear, I think the transfer still stays locked in at that third spot. Yeah, I think it's going to be fascinating to watch play out. I'll go true with Dylan Lonergan being a top three. Now, does that mean we're going to know that if it even happens that way? You know, I think Dylan Lonergan could potentially climb to two, kind of like A.J. McCarron did back in 2009 as he redshirted that year, A.J. did, behind Greg McElroy. And whereas on a weekly basis, it was believed that Star Jackson was still the number two, uh, by the end of that season, A.J., even though he didn't play, uh, had positioned himself as the next guy in. So we'll see how it goes in terms of the continued development of Dylan Lonergan. Let me ask you this one about the Alabama defense. True or false, Charlie, the platoon at inside linebacker, specifically the position opposite Deontay Lawson, will continue throughout the season. Throughout the season's tough because I think they'll eventually settle on a guy there. Um, but I think it's going to continue for the foreseeable future, the next couple games. Um, I do think, though, that Jihad Campbell coming back from that uh, knee issue he had, if he's playing better and better, I think he's eventually going to be the guy. But bringing in the guy like Tresman Marshall and Nick Saban raved about him and the, the veteran presence, the leadership he brought to that room. So I, I think he's still going to get a crack at this. Um, so I, I do think it'll start to dwindle from three to two. Uh, but, you know, I, Deontay Lawson's playing really well. If they can get a guy to kind of not necessarily match that, but to play well alongside him, then I think this defense can be uh, really good. So I, I think that Jihad Campbell eventually will lock this thing down. But I think the next couple of games, we'll still probably see uh, both him and Marshall at the inside linebacker spot. Man, you go back to last season even, right, with Jalen Moody and Deontay yeah. opposite Henry Toa Toa. This thing just continues on uh, and went to three guys with Kendrick Blackshire jumping in there. I, I do think if Jihad Campbell doesn't have the injury in the preseason right before the start of the season, maybe this thing would have gotten down to him. But you're right, having Marshall and that veteran presence seemed to make him – a pretty solid pick, at least through the first half of the season, to be involved from that standpoint. Also gives you some versatility in, 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 in that he can allow De Deontay to play other places, too. You can put yep. Trez in the middle of the field, and now Deontay can do things like we saw him do at USF, come off the edge a little bit, do some different things uh, in pass rush. So there's some flexibility that's afforded there. I'm with you. I think it's true. I also agree with you. I thought it was I thought it was encouraging, at least as a part of Tuesday's practice footage, Charlie, to see 
Jihad look like he's moving around better and better on a weekly basis because really at the end of the day, that's his game, right? I mean, mobility, playing in space, uh, that's what he needs to bring to the mix anyway. Yeah, I, I think get, getting Jaheim Otis back up front will be big. Uh, but then Jihad Campbell, the more he gets um, you know, comfortable, because, I mean, those, those knee issues, if it was a scope, um, it takes a little bit of time. And he's playing well, he's playing fast, but he's a guy that is a sideline to sideline defender. And the further he gets from that, the better off he's going to be. So I think with, with Jihad, um, I don't, I'm not projecting him to be the player that Deontay Lawson is right now, but he's on that same trajectory because Deontay, he's been playing like the, the defense's MVP so far. So if they can get another guy that has that same range, yeah, I think this, this defense can be really good. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that. So let's go back to the offensive side of the ball. With all of the transitioning at quarterback, uh, lost in some of this has been the play of the receivers, the wide receivers specifically. They have been a bright spot. We've talked so much about the needed consistency that needed to show up in 2023 after a very up and down 2022 for that group. Still not convinced right now they have that elite kind of number one guy. But collectively, they've been solid. So true or false, Alabama will have a 100-yard receiver in a game this season. I think true, um, especially like we were talking about earlier, um, the explosive plays that Jalen Milrow can make down the field. You can connect on a couple of those for a guy like Isaiah Bond, and you can get there pretty quickly. So I think Burton and Bond kind of, for me, are the leading candidates. I'd probably go Kobe Prentice, number three, because he's a guy that is almost like a volume receiver. Uh, but I, I think it'll happen eventually. I don't think we'll see that necessarily consistently because they've got a good group of guys. Uh, I think Burton's played well. I think Bond's played well. Ernest has played well. You're going to get Kendrick Law back, looks like, this week after an illness. If you're Corey Brooks still there in the mix, Malik, uh, Malik Benson. It, it's Those guys, there was a lot made about them in the, the offseason because of the drops, because of the year they had last year. But they've had a good start to the season. They have to continue – to get separation, but if they're able to do that, starting to go into SEC play against elite competition, then Jalen Milrow has the arm to get them the ball. And if he can, I think, yeah, I think it could happen even this week with the guy getting 100 yards. You know, you think about it, in the Texas game, Jermaine lost the one touchdown. And if he keeps yeah. that, he's probably right there at 100 yards because I think he had just under 60 receiving yards for the game. So – Maybe Alabama already would have been there. I agree. I think it's true. You know, last year, though, I think Jermaine had one 100-yard game. Ja'Cory Brooks had a 100-yard game. But that was it. So it, it is a spreading of the wealth right now. Perhaps as Jalen hopefully at least settles in, becomes more comfortable in this offense, uh, we'll see more of it. It's not that they don't have capable options, as you outlined. I think there's three or four 100-yard potential guys in this mix. So let's wrap it up with this one on the defensive side of the ball. An Alabama defensive lineman, Charlie, will finish the season with multiple sacks. An Alabama defensive lineman with more than one sack in 13 games or so. Is that true or false? It's hard not to go true here. Um, looking back, though, there's nobody on this roster uh, that had multiple sacks last year from a defensive line standpoint. Uh, Otis and Jamil Burroughs had one apiece. Uh, Tim Smith had one. 
So, and you got to factor in Justin Boyby had the neck injury. He's a guy that has, I think, a half sack through the first three. So he's probably the leader in the clubhouse. Um, you know, potentially getting Jaheim Otis back, I think, can uh, contribute to that. I also think, though, adding guys like James Smith to the mix. I know it was probably because of Jaheim Otis being out on Saturday, but we saw a lot of 47 in Saturday's game. And I think the more he gets comfortable, the more progress he makes, he can be a guy that could be an interior pass rusher. But, uh, yeah, it's to go over one, I mean, heck, Jaheim – or not Jaheim, but uh, Justin Boyby just has to get one in this game. So I, I have to go true there. But they need that group to be – I don't even want to say war daddies, just those con- consistent pressure up front because we saw the edge guys have success at USF, but then the rest of the pocket – didn't necessarily do its job, and they weren't able to get Byron Brown on the ground. So I think if that front seven works in cohesion, if they're consistent and in their pressure, then this group can be pretty solid. It's just they got to put it all together, and they need everybody to be on the field healthy. They do. I think that the Texas game may have underscored just how important Alabama's edge guys and linebackers in general are going to be when it comes to sack, quarterback hurry production, because, again – this defensive line, we're just talking about defensive linemen. It's it's a challenge to get those guys going in the pass rush. I'm with you. I think you got to go true. I mean, there's going to be a situation or two where sacks kind of fall into your lap. And if you're doing a good enough job from snap to whistle and these edge guys are what we continue to think they're going to be, you're going to get guys that do that, quarterbacks that do that, because these edge guys are going to force them up into the pocket And if you have any kind of presence, you should be able to kind of fall into a sack or two during the course of the 2023 season. So it's Ole Miss making the trip to Tuscaloosa this weekend. Jackson Dart playing at a high level for the Rebels. We talk about Alabama's linebackers. I think he'll be a a big challenge for that group, Charlie. Deontay Lawson, whether it's Jihad Campbell, Trez Marshall, uh, even Kendrick Blackshire. Uh, It's a guy who's had a lot of the load on him to this point. Uh, defensively, you talked about Deontay Lawson probably being the three games into it MVP. Where would you have Malachi Moore maybe in that discussion too? He's 1B for me. Um, I think Malachi's played really well. Um, you know, he's a guy that with all that they lost at the safety position, it was huge to get him back. I don't I don't think he really gave much thought to, to go into the NFL, talking to him after the, the Sugar Bowl. But the consistency he's played with, the aggressiveness that he's played with, you know, creating some some negative plays, obviously coming up with the, in, the interception uh, at USF. Um, he's been he's been lights out. Not only that, he's played with emotion. He's brought some fire to that uh, secondary, and I think that's needed. And so, um, you know, hearing from him earlier this week, uh, Nick Saban was asked about him on Monday. If he's been the signal caller of that defense, I think, or the, at least the defensive backfield, I think he's done a great job. Yeah, and on the offensive side this week, if quarterback, to use sort of your way of looking at the defensive MVPs, if quarterback is 1A on the list of concerns for Alabama, I got to think the offensive line is right there at 1B. I know you've got a great piece right now with us at BamaOnline.com kind of outlining the struggles. You talked with Cole Kubelik of SEC Network and ESPN, got his thoughts on the situation Uh, Is that kind of the way it stacks up for you going into this game against Ole Miss? Yeah, I mean, I would I would almost put the offensive line ahead of quarterback because 
I think if Jalen Milrow has some time, he can make some things happen. Um, you know, they obviously they need to do better from a play action standpoint. Uh, he needs to be able to read the defense. But if he doesn't have time to throw, all those things get hurried up, and it's going to be tough on him. So the offensive line um, has struggled. The the tackles have struggled, especially Caden Proctor. And I do think though them and the rest of the offense can be put in better positions. Um, you know, you could give Caden Proctor a little bit of help. Give him give him a Robbie Oots as a security blanket right there on his left side. So it'll be interesting to see what happens moving forward. But um, this offensive line needs to play better, and it's going to be a challenge this week because Ole Miss, um, you know, they've been able to generate some pressure. I think they have 10 sacks, which is 15th nationally. Uh, they have a ton of tackles for loss. And I, I think in this game, uh, you don't really want to make – um, you know, much of the, the coaching matchup. But I, I imagine Pete Golding's pretty fired up for this one. He's going to bring a lot of different looks and trying to, to make life hard on that offensive line and for Jalen Milrow. After his performance at South Florida last week, especially in the second half, I'm going to give you an over-under. I know this was supposed to be just true or false, <laughs> but you know me. I'm going mm-hmm. to push the limits here with you. Um, over-under for carries for Roydell Williams this week. I'll put it at 10 and a half. You got Roydell going over or under that? For me, you know, looking at the game last week, um, it, it looked obviously like he got a lot of carries late because he was playing well. But I wonder about where things stand with, with Jace McClellan and his health. Uh, like he might have been a little banged up at the end. If that carries over, then I would definitely go over. Um, but then again, if if Jace is, is banged up and maybe not even able to go, I'm not I'm – not, um, saying that, we'll see what happens. But, you know, do they give a guy like Jim Miller or even Justice Haynes an opportunity? Uh, they've got dudes in that room. But I, I do think that Roy Dell's a guy that, albeit against a, a South Florida defense, um, Nick Saban talks a lot about that final drive and really praised the offensive line. But Wendell Williams deserves a lot of credit for that too. Some tough yardage there. Heck, he had a 16-yard touchdown called back because of a, a blunder by the offensive line. So uh, I would go – I think regardless, I would go over. I think he gets to to double digits. Yeah, I think he's over. I think he almost needs to be for Alabama to play the way on offense that it needs to against this Ole Miss team, especially with Ole Miss on the offensive side of the ball. And and it's been tough for Jace, man. It just seems like a continuing theme. And it was in this game, what, two years ago that he had the ACL injury against Ole Miss and Tuscaloosa. So uh, certainly hope he's able to – to get to that extended stretch of full health. But, boy, Roydell was impressive with the strength and the decisiveness and even some burst at times that that run game needed. Well, Charlie, we certainly appreciate you taking the time here for some true or false on a Wednesday afternoon. Always good stuff from Charlie Potter for us right there at BamaOnline.com. Go check out that offensive line piece, among other items he has for us at BOL right now at BamaOnline.com. Thanks, Charlie. Yeah, no problem, man. Thanks for having me. For Charlie, Travis Ryer, thanking you for joining us right here on the YouTube and podcast homes for BamaOnline.com. Until next time, so long, everybody.